Hello, it's Heidi here with this month's webinar. Thank you very much for joining me. Today we're looking at using NLP to assist with anxiety. Now, this is a, a very interesting topic when it comes to NLP. I would say that for the past 17 years while I've been working as a coach and therapist, anxiety is, I would say, the number one reason people seek assistance. Now, it can be silent anxiety or it can be, hey, I'm anxious about something or social anxiety, which has been huge over the past decade. More and more of today's world of instant gratification, of needing to be semi-perfect, really creates a, a, an avenue for anxiety that just exists in our society so much. But anxiety, we don't work well. Humans don't work well in stressful situations under anxiety. And so today what I want to talk about is, is a little bit about what anxiety is, but if you are a coach or a therapist utilizing NLP, some of the tools or ways to look at anxiety, if you're not yet trained in NLP, this will give you an understanding of, of how NLP can be utilized with anxiety personally or with others. And if you suffer from anxiety, this will also give you some insight into where to look at your own programming. So a little bit about me before we begin. Um, I'm Heidi, and I have been involved in the world of NLP for the past 20 years. I've been training as well as running my own coaching and therapy practice since 2000. Uh, I work in Sydney, Australia and live in Sydney, Australia. As you can tell, I am originally from the US. I have a wonderful ability, I guess, to be able to, to detect patterns of emotions, behaviors, and thoughts that keep people in a, a stuck in a loop. And I utilize the skills and tools of neuro-linguistic programming or NLP to be able to identify those programs, identify how they are making, making coming to life in a person's world, and how to change them utilizing the unconscious patterns of the mind. It's, it's a wonderful way to be able to, to spend my living and share the world and leave a legacy of sorts. Now, my life, just like everyone's, has its own ups and downs. You know, this past week or month, really, has been quite anxiety-filled. Um, at the moment, our office in Sydney is being moved, and I could list everything that we did to prepare for this move and this relocation and the list of everything that seems to be going wrong and isn't working probably is twice as long as the list of what we did to make it right and we've got you know a training that starts on Friday and all kinds of stuff and if I think about it too much it really makes my head want to spin and I would say the levels of anxiety that I'm I'm living with currently are massive just like most people in a given moment or week, there are things in our lives that are, are anxiety filled or can create anxiety and stress. It's not what happens in our world, it's how we react to it. So I wanna talk a little bit about that as well. So I know that even though there's a lot of anxiety going on within me at the moment, it's how I'm handling that that allows me to continue and progress forward in a, a way that that helps. So NLP can help us to identify the emotions, the patterns, the, the 
processes that our mind and our body go through. Our mind and body are very connected. And when we know what's happening in our body, in our mind, the external events that are happening that create the feelings and the emotions and the drivers for anxiety, we can actually do something about it. Now, a lot of times from a traditional counseling or a traditional psychology point of view, uh, I'm a, a clinical psychologist by education, um, a doctor of psychology, and a lot of aspects that I was learning from that theoretical side is identify what it is that creates the anxiety and either do it more so it becomes, you, you know, become um, less reactive to it, avoid it so don't do it, or, you know, a variety of other things that may or may not actually assist. Where NLP is different than that is, sure, we, we would like to know if there is something that's triggering the anxiety. We'd like to know, hey, what is that? But it's more interesting to me as an NLPer to actually identify what's going on inside. How is my body, how is my mind, how are my emotions reacting to the external world so that I can start to address some of the emotions and beliefs and patterns behind it? Because there's a belief about everything, a belief that creates the anxiety in the first place. If it's a belief that it must be done right, or it has to be done well, or I can't do this, or this is above and beyond my control, or this is for the too hard basket, or I'm over and I'm done, I have to stop. Whatever it is that our mind is going to as far as the thoughts, the beliefs, the ideas that we have automatically connect into our emotional programming. So this NLP stuff, if you're already NLP trained, you already know what NLP is. If you're not yet, let me look at really quickly what is NLP. So NLP is, as it says here, a set of tools that can be used to used in all aspects of life. So to me, it's understanding how the language of the mind creates the programs of emotions, behaviors, and thoughts that we run in life. So this, an external event happens. So this is my friend Sally. An external event happens and we filter this information. It's kind of like the information going into a computer or even into a sieve. We're filtering it based on our history, our meta-programs, our values, our beliefs, our memories. And we automatically distort, delete, and generalize that information. Now, then we get this internal picture and feeling and sounds or this movie that happens in our mind. That's the visual, auditory, kinesthetic, and ID. That's what the V-A-K-I-D stands for, which in turn leads to our state, our mood or emotion, which changes our body, our physiology, how we hold ourselves, how we're breathing, how we're blinking, how we're holding our, our muscle tension, our tightness, our facial expressions, our jaw, which leads to our behavior. So I bring up Sally, and I'm going to go back to my definition of NLP. So in our lives, when anxiety is happening, anxiety is the program that is coming about because of the language of the mind. So for example, with my, move, with my current office move, there's a lot of internal dialogue and beliefs that I'm not going to get it done, but I know I'm going to get it done. It's too much to do but it'll get done. There's a lot of conflicting beliefs. There's a lot of conflicting internal dialogue. And there is a list twice as long as my arm of things that I need to get done last week that I haven't gotten done this week. So 
my mind continually spins on what is happening. And that creates an internal program, which is the visual auditory kinesthetic ID, so the internal movie in my mind, which leads to the state, which is my mood, my physiology. I can tell you that for the majority of the past week, my back is hurt, my neck is hurt, my shoulders have been tight. My jaw is clenched continually. My mind is racing a thousand miles a minute. And the behaviors that I have, I'm, I'm quite scattered. I'm not always thinking appropriately. I am sometimes losing my temper. I have cried at least a dozen times. And all of this is the outcome of the external events that happen moment to moment to moment. When I can understand this for myself or for my clients or my family or my friends, then it's not me that's broken. It's how I'm handling, how I'm filtering, how I'm distorting, deleting, and generalizing, creating the movie in my mind of this external event. So in my moments when I catch those emotions, I allow myself to feel them. I welcome them, which is something that we're going to be talking about in a moment. So a few of the NLP tools that we're going to be taking a look at today. Actually, we aren't at that slide yet. Okay, anxiety. <laughs> Let's understand anxiety a little bit more. So anxiety, some of the things that, that you might feel or other people might feel when there's a, a sense of that anxiety is breathing changes, muscle tension changes. This is all of that um, physiology that I was talking about before. There may be a shortness of breath, tiredness, less energy to do things, increased anxiety, shortness of breath, and it, it kind of goes into a loop. It actually goes into a loop and some people end up calling it, I'm procrastinating or they go into a depression or they just get really sleepy or they don't want to get out of bed. So a lot of times anxiety and depression are very connected and they're connected because this lethargy that happens because somebody's anxious. Now, if you're anxious about something, do you think that anxiety is about the future or the past? The future. And do you think it's about what things will, how things will go well or how things won't go well? It's about how they won't go well, what might possibly go wrong. You know, in my mind, I've got a, I've got a classroom of people showing up on Friday and we're in disarray and people are sitting on boxes or I have to rent a training room somewhere, which actually isn't a bad idea now that I think think about it, uh, to use for the weekend. So I don't have the stress of trying to get ready by Friday. Um, but when we, when we can start to identify the symptoms that go along with it, then we can start asking questions about what's going on in the mind. What are those beliefs? What is that internal dialogue that's, that's going on inside? Because all of that leads to these symptoms. The symptoms are secondary. The anxiety, the breathing, the muscle tension is secondary because we've already filtered Whatever the event is, we've distorted, deleted, and generalized it. We've made it fit into our own model of the world, and we've created a movie about it. And it's the movie that leads us to the symptoms or the physiology aspects, which, you know, if I didn't have a huge to-do list that I just needed to get done, there's a good chance that I would just sit in front of the TV because I don't want to deal with it but I don't have that possibility at the moment. But some people handle anxiety by sitting, sleeping, drinking, gambling, anything to get disconnected from it, and they dissociate from it, which we're gonna talk about as well. It's the emotions that people are trying to move away from. 
And we can either move towards something or away from something. And generally something like anxiety, most people move away from it. They don't want to feel it. And I get it. It's not a fun feeling. To me, it feels like my, my heart, my whole chest is in a vice of some sort. But I, again, I notice this. I don't just live with it and cope with it. I live with it and go, okay, this is going on. How can this emotion, how can this feeling assist me to keep going? Because every emotion, every behavior is useful in some way. And every symptom that I have, like anxiety, or every symptom that you have, anxiety, frustration, worry, whatever it is, your body and your mind are trying to communicate something to you. So sometimes we can just identify what is that anxiety communicating to me. And it might be a sense of that you can do better or that you're doing enough or that you've done enough sometimes. And sometimes people read into things and, and try and do perfection. And perfection, if you're not good at it, which most humans are not, can really create a lot of anxiety. So some of the tools and concepts that we're going to be looking at that NLP can really help with anxiety for is one, knowing your desired state, two, being able to either associate or dissociate appropriately, understanding a meta program, which is a program beyond your programs of internal and external, as well as welcoming your emotions. Welcome these lovely emotions that we have that might be in any situation, not necessarily only anxiety, but that's what we're talking about today. So let's get into these, these different tools and concepts. The first one, if you or a client or a family or a friend is identifying a sense of anxiety or stress or overwhelm, the first question that I ask to myself or that I ask to a friend or a client is what do you want? Because if you don't know what you want, you can't actually move from the anxiety. Most of the time, as we said before, anxiety is about the future, about what hasn't yet happened. That movie that we we're getting in our mind, we're getting anxious about it because the movie that we're getting is not what we want. It's what we don't want. It's that movie of, of students sitting on boxes in the training room on Friday. It's a movie of things not going well, of a door falling off, of, of people leaving our party, of people not wanting to see us, of not being good enough, of getting bad feedback, of a failure. Is that what you want to focus on? Because where you put your focus is where your emotions move to. So the first thing is, what do you want? What do you want? Not only what do you want as an external outcome, but what do you want to feel? Do you want to feel more responsive, responsible, more respective of your emotions, more calmness, more patience, more time, more, what do you want to feel more of? Or maybe it's not even feel more of because you might not feel any of that in the first place. But what do you want? This is what we call an NLP or desired state. If we don't have a desired state, we can't actually get anywhere. Now, here's another interesting thing. The unconscious mind, that's the same thing as your, your subconscious mind or non-conscious mind. The unconscious mind is that part of our mind that's responsible for the filters, for our emotions, for creating the, the understandings and the patterns that we run in life. 
our unconscious mind makes up about 90% of our mind. It's really the part of us that's running us. And a kind of cool part of it is it is unable to process negatives directly. So if I'm thinking about what I don't want, I don't want to be frustrated. I don't want to have Friday come and people are sitting on boxes. The only thing it does, if I get a picture, the picture that you get, I don't want to, people to come into my classroom on Friday and sit on boxes. What movie do you get in, my, in your mind about my words? The movie I get is a classroom full of people sitting on boxes. So the unconscious mind is unable to process negatives. If I say I don't want something to happen, then I have to get the movie of whatever that is. If I'm saying it's impossible, the unconscious mind is creating a movie of something being impossible. So taking out those negatives, saying it how you want it. I want the classroom to be ready, wonderful, with chairs and tables inside of it and my whiteboard on the wall. That changes my movie around. So saying it how I want it, knowing my desired state. So first thing when I'm working with clients and they come to me with anxiety is I identify what the anxiety is about, maybe even communicate with the symptoms a little bit about what the, what the symptom is communicating. And then I say, well, what do you want? Instead of feeling this anxiety, instead of having that movie where people are sitting in boxes or on boxes, in boxes would be good too. Um, if they're sitting on boxes, what do you want? What do you want to create that? So from a, a Stephen Covey perspective, that would be start with the end in mind. Because if you don't know what the end result is, then there's going to be anxiety around that. And sometimes that's all we need. You know how many times I've worked with a client that has anxiety and we identify a clear desired state about what they want? Guess what happens to that anxiety? It dwindles. Sometimes it goes away completely, but most of the time just knowing that desired state helps to just reassure the conscious and unconscious mind that everything will be okay. And I know for me that that's exactly what it is. I know what I want. Even though the little movie comes up every now and then of people sitting on boxes, I know what I want. And so I keep that also in the forefront of my mind because that gives me something to move towards. Instead of moving away from the anxiety, I'm moving towards what I want. And the emotions help to drive me to move forward. Now, the concept of associated and dissociated is another great NLP tool that can really be useful with anxiety. So associated, so if you're associated to something, you are in the moment, you're seeing, hearing, and feeling what's happening to you right now. And if you're dissociated or disassociated, depending on what country you're from or where you're at at the moment, then you're observing yourself from a distance. So with very few or no connection, sometimes even connected. So if somebody's feeling a lot of anxiety, usually there's, their whole body is in a sense of heightened awareness. It's the heartbeat is going and the sweating is happening and the mind is racing and the muscles tensions is, is, is strong and they can feel it and every move they make, they can feel. Everything that happens, they can feel. And when they get into that associated aspect of anxiety, it usually heightens it. If it gets too heightened, this is when panic attacks happen. A panic attack is an overstimulation of association. 
Let me say that again. A panic attack is an overstimulation of association. So one of the best ways to be able to combat panic attacks is to learn to dissociate, to be able to observe yourself from a distance, to be able to observe what's going on from like an outsider's point of view, being much less connected or even no feelings at all. Now, on the other side, sometimes people get into that depending on how long the anxiety has been going on. If it moves into a depression, that depression actually creates a dissociation. And that numbness, that feeling of, of dread and I don't want to do anything and I'm just going to sit here and I'll watch another TV show or I'm just going to go to bed even though it's 6 o'clock at night and I'm going to get up at noon and I don't want to eat anymore. And that's a, a disconnection of emotions. So if somebody is dissociated and anxious, that's probably moving into to depression where we're disconnecting from things. Uh, people turn to alcohol, drugs, gambling as a way of disconnecting, procrastination, not doing anything, uh, cleaning the house instead of doing something important. Instead of having an important conversation, they'll do something different. And that disconnects or dissociates somebody from those emotions. Now, if somebody is, is in that aspect, which, isn't, which might not be helpful sometimes, the way that I move them out of that is by stepping in and associating. So it's a, a fine balance of being associated and connected, but not too connected. And from being dissociated to where somebody is, is at that stage of being numb. So being able to identify, are you or a friend or a client too associated or too dissociated? Because there's a fine line that we want to balance between to be able to to maneuver. Um, and it, it's actually a, a fairly simple thing to be able to do is to be able to step in and feel and step out. Sometimes it takes a little bit of practice, but even just noticing, hey, am I too connected to this or am I not connected to this enough can help. The harder one is moving from dissociated to associated because it feels and usually if somebody is, is anxious about something, it doesn't feel good. And that's why they've become dissociated in the first place. But dissociated for too long creates too much of that uh, depression and disconnection and nothing would get done. Uh, so that's, a, that's an interesting one. It, it's similar but different from internal and external. So internal is when I'm in my own mind and body looking and feeling from my own personal point of view. If I'm anxious and I'm internal, I'm very much aware of just me. I'm aware of everything, every single body sensation that I'm having. It's very uh, selfish, if you will. There's very much, it's, a, it's all about me in this moment. So sometimes when people are being anxious, they're not noticing how that anxiety is affecting other people at home or in the workplace. And they're just totally inside of themselves. And let's take, for example, like public speaking. If somebody's anxious about public speaking, their their mind track might be going, oh man, my, my heart is racing. My, my thoughts are going, oh, I'm sweating now. I'm, what am I going to do? What happens if I faint? I might faint. I'm going to lose my words. And it's all about me, 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 me. Where external is a little bit different. It's looking outside of yourself and from another person's perspective or outside 
or their outside world. So if somebody's anxious and from an external perspective, if we use the same example of um, public speaking, then it might be, oh, what are they going to think about me? What if I forget my words? Uh, what if they walk out? They're all looking at me. How am I supposed to do this? What if they don't like me? And it's about the other person. So it's an anxiety based on that. And that's where things like perfectionism come in or not wanting to let other people down or not being good enough or not being worthy because there's always something that we're comparing it to. I'm not good enough compared to. I'm not perfect compared to. Uh, I'm not good enough worthy, whatever the words are compared to. So that's always an external thing. So again, with these, like we did with the associated and dissociated, we can flip them. If a person has a lot of internal, so they're all focused on the internal aspect of them, what's going on for me, me, we can start to look on the outside. Well, what is the feedback from other people? What, how many people are, are, are around you? And move the focus from inside to outside. Similarly, if somebody's focused all on the outside, what are they going to think? What are they, you know, what if I get it wrong? What if I stumble over my words? What if I faint? Come on to the inside. Notice my breath. This is where breathing and mindfulness comes in. If somebody is already internal, breathing, being aware of their breath and being mindful isn't going to work because they're already on the inside and their mind is already on the inside. So if somebody's more internal, you want to move them outside. How many people are in the room? How many women are wearing glasses? How many ceiling tiles are there? Are the lights all turned on? Are there any clouds outside? What color are the walls painted? And start to move the awareness outside of them. So this is another one that you can, you can flip in between. There doesn't necessarily need to be a balance here, like on the, the um, associated and dissociated. But just being able to recognize where is the focus? Where is the focus? Is it about other people or is it about yourself? So that's a, an interesting one. And I would say that um, probably one of the, the best tools that we've got from NLP and from probably a, a variety of other sources is being able to welcome emotions. Those symptoms of anxiety come up and there's a lot of them. And everybody does anxiety a little bit differently. Like so many psychological, emotional states that we've got, a lot of people ask for a template. You know, if I'm working with a client and they have anxiety, what should I do? If I'm working with somebody with depression, what should I do? And there's not a template. There's not a one size fits all by any means. Being able to recognize the individual that you're working with or the individual that is yourself, uh, being able to identify what emotions they're running is important because everybody's a little bit different. My anxiety, your anxiety, somebody else's anxiety, it's all going to be different. There might be similarities, there might be overlaps, but it's going to be different and it's going to come from a different space. If there's a lot of, of anxiety in the world, then we also want to take a look at where does it come from? Is there a pattern of it in our lives? Is it something that we learned from someone else? We have a variety of NLP techniques like unconscious pattern change, which is a timeline process or tunneling or re-imprinting or um, a swish pattern even is helpful for, for behaviors and habits if it's a, a habit of, of anxiety. But being able to, to look and address the, the familial structure of it, that's like 
in your family where it comes from? Is it a learned behavior or is it situational? You know, the, the anxiety, anxiety that I'm, I'm having at the moment about the move is not a pattern that I live with. It's a situational aspect. It's for this moment. But some people live with anxiety as a way of being in life. And in those instances, I would absolutely track back that pattern to find out where in history does it come from so that we can actually start to change and amend the emotions so that we can start to look at and learn from it in a different perspective in a different way so that that pattern doesn't have to come up. And a lot of times it's situational based anxiety, work, home, time, money, all of it creates an aspect of stress in our lives. Interestingly, um, stress is something that was only used as a structural engineering term until the late 1950s, early 1960s. Until then, it was only used as a, a structural engineering term. So they would they would test the stress of things. They would test the stress of a bridge or test the stress of a building to see how much weight or movement or wind can it handle before it would collapse. And then it got moved into the world of psychology when people were being tested and they were collapsing over emotional stress. I wonder if they had not created the word stress if we would ha for people if we would have so much of it in our lives. I don't know. It's one of those chicken and egg kind of things. But when we're welcoming emotions, when I can notice that I am feeling irritable or that I'm starting to feel worried about something or anxious or when those tears come up, one of the best things that I learned from one of my mentors and teachers, Steve Gilligan, is to welcome the emotion. To notice, oh, hello, anxiety. Welcome. Because I know that anxiety is there to help me in some way. Every emotion is useful somehow. It's not there to hurt me or hold me back. It's usually there to stop me from failing or getting it wrong or making a fool of myself or, or not being good enough. And so it's almost like a warning signal that comes up. So if I can start to be aware of, oh, here's that warning signal. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for being there. I can actually then utilize whatever emotions are coming up, whatever symptoms are coming up, and I can welcome them into my world. And when I welcome them, when I use those emotions as a teacher, it actually starts to move them along. So instead of having that anxiety, which I'm trying to push away from me, the anxiety, which is there helping me, teaching me, getting my attention, and has done a good job of getting my attention, I can sit with it. I can then be mindful with it. I can move it out of my body and let it be. And let it be almost like a friend. Let it be simpler. Let it be there. And when the mind, the unconscious mind knows that it's being listened to, the emotion starts to fade. So sometimes it's a matter of being able to identify it, sit with it, 
welcome it. And let it know and let yourself know it's there for a purpose so that you can do something with it, something about it. Starting to look at that anxiety in a different kind of way. Anxiety isn't scary. A lot of people get scared of it because it it can be a very strong and powerful emotion. And if we're trying to run from it, it will get more powerful, it will get more strong, and it can lead to that depression side of things. But when we welcome it, when we can identify, is it coming from inside of us? Is it more an external anxiety? Am I too associated or too dissociated from it? If I now know where I want to go and what my desired state is, it really helps me to be able to let it go, to alleviate the emotion, that anxiety that's coming up. And then I can do something about it. I can do something with it. I don't have to move away from it. I don't have to avoid doing what those anxious things are. I can be aware of it. So that when the events happen in my life that used to create anxiety, the anxiety can be less. It cannot be there. And if the anxiety comes back and it creates the tears or the stress or the tension or the muscle tightness or the loss of breath or appetite or creates irritability, stop. Breathe. Welcome it. Take a moment to figure out what it is that you want. Step out of the feeling for a moment. And either move internally or externally with it. So that anxiety can simply become another way to help yourself. To be able to teach yourself. Or to teach your clients what's going on. So many of my clients have benefited from simply utilizing some of these tools and and concepts, me helping them to identify, hey, when that comes up, what is it communicating to you? And what do you want instead? What is your desired state? And being able to associate and dissociate or move from the internal to the external and also just to be with it instead of pushing it away. Because I guarantee you, the moment you start pushing an emotion away, If it's anxiety, anger, fear, whatever it is, it will chase you because it's useful for you. And the moment we can identify or not identify, but connect with that idea that our emotions are useful. They're not the enemy. They're the teacher. They're that wise old sage. They're knocking on the door saying, hi, I'm here to help. When we can open the door and welcome those emotions in and remember where we're going, know where we're going, know your end result. Keep, begin with the end in mind. Balance the associated and dissociated and focus on the appropriate internal or external meta program. Then anxiety is simple. Anxiety is simple. It's not always fun. I guarantee that. And it's not always easy. And I don't think that it's a matter of of making anxiety go away completely. It's about managing it. Because there will be things that come up in in your life, in your clients' lives, in your friends' lives, just like mine at the moment with this anxiety that I know I have at the moment around this move. But as I sit here and I'm, I'm doing this webinar with you today, 
there's no sense of anxiety around it because I do know what my end result is. I know where I'm going. And I know that that the emotion drives me in a way to make sure that I'm doing the best that I can. And instead of pushing the anxiety away, I do truly welcome it because I know that it's a good guide and a good teacher. Now, the mind is an interesting thing, and there are so many other tools that you can also use with anxiety. Like I said, if anxiety is something that is um, perpetual, if there's a pattern of it and it's generalized anxiety, and it's about everything and it's always there, then I recommend either coming to see myself or Lorelai and doing some coaching sessions with us one-on-one or on Skype, in person or on Skype, so that we can really address where it's coming from. Or if you haven't already, come and learn the NLP course because you're also going to be able to really identify the programs and the patterns that you're running in your life that may be creating some of that anxiety so that we can address the the underlying aspects of that, where those emotions and beliefs come from and what beliefs are being the drivers there and where a modeling aspect possibly was, was created when you were younger that created that generalized anxiety or social anxiety. But in general, a lot of it is situational. And when we generalize that too much in our lives, we can get stuck. So again, make sure you starting with your end in mind, create that balance of associated and dissociated. Notice the internal and external and welcome the emotions. If you have any questions today for me about this webinar or about working with anxiety or if you need some assistance yourself just shoot me a quick email or even on the side there just jot a a quick question for me and I'll, I'll get to you shortly. It's been my pleasure today sharing how to utilize NLP to assist with anxiety. It's something that comes up a lot and if you are a coach or a therapist or are going to be you're going to be working with people with anxiety but really you're not working with the anxiety you're working with the outcome. Not the event, the outcome. Simple. Work with those tools, welcome those emotions, and live life to the best that you can. Thanks very much. We will see you next month for our next webinar. Have a great rest of your day.